Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. Promises, promises. What can we believe and who can we trust? We started this conversation a couple of weeks ago uh, with the acknowledgement that we live in a time where mistrust, skepticism, and doubt are becoming the norm. (laughs) We've got fake news, uh, but then we've got fact checkers, but then we've got the people that doubt the fact checkers. And so like, um, wait a minute, who who do we listen to? Uh, We have people in power that sow doubts and embrace conspiracy in order to gain influence. And this is not limited to one age group or economic class or racial group or political party. (laughs) There are shenanigans that go on. The democratization of information through the internet has created many good things. And yet, we have also basically as a society become less able to have civil conversations with anyone with whom we disagree. And all of us have become more vulnerable to misinformation. In the two weeks since I preached that introduction, several other sources have come up to my desk through a variety of ways that verify this reality. For example, um, an upcoming webinar on a book discussing the culture of mistrust, (laughs) or um, some of the textbooks that I am reading in my master's program, or the current headlines that talk about the reality of the mistrust and the, um, that kind of thing. It is the topic of the day. <laughs> and especially in the political climate here in our country with the upcoming midterm elections and the realities all surrounding that. And we find ourselves saying, what can we believe? Who can we trust? I offered a space a couple of weeks ago for us to simply lament that reality, that this climate of mistrust is painful, it's confusing, it's difficult. And I want to encourage you to keep holding that before the Lord. Um, Additional opportunities will present themselves to either make you feel aggravated, (laughs) angry, dismayed, or to just check out and just decide who cares. And the truth is, we do have a faithful God that we can trust. We can believe his promises are true. And in the midst of the confusion, I want to encourage us to hope in the Lord. 
and I want to exhort us. Y'all know that word, exhort? I don't use that very much, but as I was writing this out, it just felt like the right word. Exhort is, I'm going to give you um, an instruction that comes from the scripture that you need to decide whether you're going to do it or not. And doing it means you're going to obey, okay? So I want to exhort you. I want to, in the Lord, tell you this. To be people of integrity. That you can be trusted. People that allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and give us wisdom and discernment. Grow in our own credibility with God, with each other, and the people that you brush shoulders with throughout the week. Be that person that comes to mind when the question is asked, who can you trust? Be that person. That's my exhortation to you. <laughs> now, I've been laying a groundwork in this conversation by teaching about the theme of covenant that is carried through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. God is a covenant-keeping God. And we live in the promises of the new covenant through Jesus Christ. So I want us to look at a couple of scriptures that are going to carry us forward in this discussion and into the understanding of the promises of God. So first, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a better covenant with God based on better promises. Amen? Who is ready for some better promises? <laughs> Do you want to get to the nitty-gritty of what is it I can really believe? The better promises of God. In Corinthians, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 through 22, for all of God's promises. How many? All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees some of the stuff he has promised us. Is that what that scripture says? that guarantees the things that are easy that he has promised us. Is that what that scripture says? That guarantees everything that he has promised us. We have received from Jesus Christ all that we need. And this scripture says that our amen 
is a yes that goes all the way up to heaven. And so I, I think we want to give glory to God today with a little bit more yeses up to heaven. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Jesus Christ himself mediates our far better covenant with God based on better promises. Now, we only read that one verse from Hebrews today, but the book of Hebrews is basically a treatise explaining the differences between the old covenant and the new covenant. The way that the old covenant was established through the shedding of blood of bulls and goats, that the tabernacle was fashioned after a design from heaven, from a place that the book of Hebrews says, it describes it as not a part of this created world. It existed before this world was created. This place in the heavens where Jesus Christ, our high priest, entered the Holy of Holies once and for all by his shed blood on the cross, forever atoning for our sins and establishing the new covenant that you and I get to live in. Amen. The better covenant with better promises. Often, the two covenants will be described as the old was by works and the new is by grace. Now, this is certainly an important distinguishing difference to, to help us kind of understand, except I want to say that God's grace is present in the old covenant also. It's not that there wasn't grace going on in the Old Testament. God's mercy and grace is saturating the Old Testament, and so we need to pay attention to that reality. But by that grace, God promised a new covenant. What is grace? And, and how does that relate to receiving the promises of God? Well, one, one of the reasons a new covenant was needed was that no matter what, no matter what, people kept failing to keep up their end of the covenant with God. They disobeyed. They worshipped idols. They did not keep the Ten Commandments. They did not love their neighbor. They did not love God with all their heart soul, mind, and strength. It wasn't that God wasn't keeping up his end. It's that the people kept failing. And so God, in his sovereignty and grace, promised a new covenant because God understood it wasn't just that they weren't keeping up their end. It's basically that we can't. Listen to this description of grace by Dallas Willard. Grace is not just about forgiveness. If we had never sinned, that's a powerful statement right now. If we had never sinned, has anybody in here thought to yourself, I, I'm not sure if I've ever sinned, huh? 
see. Me? Did, have I ever done anything that was a sin? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think that's any of us. Now, I will admit to growing up in church and, and sitting in church, having my own thoughts rather than listening to the sermon. Some of you might be doing that right now, whether you're a kid or an adult. Um, but one time, tr trying to think really hard backwards in my life, and thinking to myself, this is just so unfair. If I had known when I was like a baby about sin and stuff, I probably wouldn't, I probably would have figured it out and I wouldn't have sinned. And, and I, and I, but I, I wasn't even given a chance to try, you know, and so Okay, that's a window into my soul. Anyway, the, the reality is, <laughs> if we had never sinned, if such a thing was possible to have never sinned, we would still need grace. Grace is God acting in our life, I'm quoting Dallas Willard here, to do what we cannot do on our own. Grace is what we live by, and the human system won't work without it. The saint, he says, uses grace like a 747 jet burns gas on takeoff. <laughs> we cannot function without the grace of God. It is the grace of God that we are even able to be here together today. So, but I want to especially think about this. What is grace? Grace is God acting in our life to do what we cannot do on our own. Part of what that requires is for me to not be my six-year-old self thinking I could in any way achieve not sinning on my own. We have to come to terms with our limits. And our limits are very much connected to the fact that we sin, but they're not, that's not all of them. I have an earring that's hitting this, I'm sorry. I'm going to take that off. Uh, that is not the only thing that we need the grace of God for. When God revealed himself to Moses on Mount Sinai, do you remember that? When, when Moses actually requested, what, could God see him? And God said, okay, I'm going to pass by you. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock, and, and I'm going to pass by you. God revealed himself calling out his name. And this is what he said, part of what he said, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. And if you'll mark that and pay attention to it, you'll notice how frequently that shows up from now on 
in the people of Israel when they are talking about who God is, the God of compassion and mercy. And the reason is, is because that's how God revealed himself to Moses and there and then through Moses to the people. What does that mean? Full of compassion and mercy, another translation, full of compassion and graciousness. Compassion and grace are God's very essence. And we need his grace in order to live. We need God in order to live. So I want to give you this picture of what this grace and compassion work like. I'm going to read this quote from a devotional by Sky Jathani. The Hebrew word for gracious used in Exodus 34 is H-A-N-U-N. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Hanun, I think. It is an action word, and it complements and contrasts with compassionate, which is a feeling word. The word compassionate, the root of it actually comes from uh, the same word as womb. And so it's a feminine, nurturing, deep feeling word. Okay, so compassionate. Compassionate is how Yahweh feels toward us. Gracious is how Yahweh acts toward us. And so this is a picture that he wrote that I think I could really relate to because of having been a mom. Um, But he says, the love of a parent for a child illustrates this well. A cold, hungry, crying infant will stir a mother's compassion. The mother will then act in the child's life to do what the child cannot do on his own. Obviously, the mother's graciousness toward the child has nothing to do with forgiveness or the legal expunging of sins. Likewise, the Lord is gracious to us every time he acts in our lives, not merely when he forgives us. He is constantly acting with graciousness in us, doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The promises of God are about God's compassion and grace toward us. Living in the grace of God is about acknowledging our needs and our weaknesses, coming to terms with our limits, and surrendering to his grace. The Apostle Paul battled with an ongoing problem, which he labeled a thorn in the flesh. Now, most of you have heard this passage, and you know it, and, um, but we're going to think about this a moment in the context of how we're talking about the promises of God. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 9. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, this thorn in the flesh. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ 
can work through me. Through his weakness, Paul came to know the fullness of God's promises. So if grace is God doing for you what you cannot do for yourself, I want you to contemplate that for a moment. What might that be? And I want to encourage us that it is about more than just forgiveness of sins. Sometimes we need grace to overcome a sin. <laughs> um, Stephanie posted, how long, what date was that, Stephanie? The, it's been 20 years, over 20 years, when she nailed her last cigarette pack to a cross on her wall, and she has not had a cigarette and not smoked since then, but it took the grace of God to help you do that. Amen? And so sometimes... That's what we need is that the grace of God to overcome something that we have felt convicted by God. It's time to lay that down. It's time to move on from that habit, from that pattern of reaction, from whatever that is in our life. But it's not always just about sin. Sometimes there's some other thing that we need the grace of God in our life to receive. When I exhorted at the start of this message for you to be that person that comes to mind, if somebody asks, who can we trust? I, what limits you from being that person? What needs to change so that you're the one that comes to mind if that question is asked? By God's grace... That can be true for each one of us. But here's a few hopes and desires that I have, and I'm having a funny um, thing with my notes where some paragraphs disappear. I had, a, I had a whole list of things, but I'm just going to try to remember them. Things that I feel limited in. Things that I can't do on my own. I just can't. And I need the Lord's help. So I want to lead this church with vision and passion forward into what God is calling you to be. And I can't do it by myself. I just can't. I want to be a very loving wife, thoughtful always just gen gentle and kind and all of that and I can't do it <laughs> by myself I need the help of the Lord I want to be um, an awesome mother to my adult children and children in love and all I want to be the most amazing grandmother in the world and all of that and 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 just but I got to tell you, I'm limited. I hit, I hit a wall, and there's times I, I can't do the stuff that I wish I could do. Grace is God doing for you what you cannot do 
for yourself. I want to be one that fulfills the Great Commission and makes disciples that make disciples and, and for, for everyone to be growing in, their, in the Lord and for, the, all, for their, their spirits to be um, developed and Christ to be formed in you. And I can't do it by myself. I need the grace of God. I'm, it's easy for me to talk about these areas that are kind of focused right here, but for you, I, I want you to be empowered out in the workplace, out in the community, out in the marketplace, in the schools, for Pete's sake, in the <laughs> everything that that means these days, which is a lot if you're not aware. Um, everything that you're doing from the time you leave here and the service is over and, the, and you've got to live life for the next seven days, I want to see the grace of God empower you to do the things that you cannot do. When we are talking about the promises of God to us, this is what we're talking about, living our life energized by the Spirit of God that has been given to us as a seal for what is to come so that we can live fully in the power of God. As new creations, we read that scripture last week, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. One theologian says that that is literally just like the tabernacle was a, a picture of this other reality in heaven, that this new creation inside each one of you, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that new creation in us is an image within us of the new heavens and the new earth that are yet to come, which is another one of the promises of God. I want to see us living fully in that, where it is just flowing and making a difference in our world, where we are not just swirling with the confusion, where we are not just tossed about with the things that the enemy would throw at us, but we are strong and flowing and a light that shines that draws others into the saving, loving, compassionate knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I can't do it on my own. I must boast in my weaknesses <laughs> so that his strength can be made perfect. So to end today, I'm going to invite you to join me in boasting in your weaknesses. But you don't have to get up here and do it. What are places in your life where your desires and your needs cannot be met? You can't figure this one out. <laughs> you can't make it happen. Outside of the grace of God. So here's what I want us to do in here. I'm going to invite everyone that's in the room with me to stand. I'm going to read one final text. And then I'm going to ask you to do what this text says because it invites us to come boldly before God. 
And I want to invite you to come to pray or else find a place in this sanctuary, in the alcove, to pray and to surrender <laughs> before the Lord that which you cannot do on your own and invite his grace to come in and do this thing. So here's from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us just go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to just open us up now for a time of prayer. Those of you that have joined online, we're going to fade out on you, uh, but I want you to make time for prayer where you are as well. I invite you now, the altars are open. Any place in the sanctuary is available. I invite you to come and pray before the Lord. What is that thing that you cannot do on your own, but you want to invite the grace of God in to do this for you? Amen. Amen. Let's come pray. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcast and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.